Thank you for tuning in to the Foundations Ministry Podcast. We are a sexual addiction ministry located in Fort Worth, Texas. To learn more about us, you can go to our website at www.foundationstexas.com. Hello, I'm Sam, the leader of Foundations Sexual Addiction Ministry here in Fort Worth, Texas, and I'm glad you're taking some time to sit down and listen to my podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about God's role in recovery. You know, some time ago, I was watching a series of videos uh, on counseling and addiction recovery by a ministry I'm particularly fond of, and one of their speakers was going on about uh, the role of counseling within the church, which is an interesting topic, Uh, and he was bringing out various different points and ideas, and then he honed in on the 12-step recovery model. And in this process, he started talking through steps one, two, and three, and how step three was, step two and three were unbiblical and ungodly. Because in the traditional format of the 12 step model, it says, uh, We came to believe, step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Right? And, and that statement right there in step three is similar. Right? We, uh, we made the choice to submit our lives to this greater power. So in step two and three, the reference isn't God, capital G, God, Christian God. It is a greater power. And from his perspective, he saw that as a great failing, that the church in general has given up its role as counselor, its, its authority in terms of helping people grow and deal with these psychological issues that occur in our life. And although I'm inclined to agree to a certain uh, extent with what he was sharing, when I heard him say that about the 12-step process, it just immediately irked me. And it irked me because I, uh, I'm, I'm a product of a 12-step program that unashamedly announced that steps two and three were about the God, the capital G God, the Christian from the Bible definition of who God is. And they actually rephrased them to say as much, came to believe that God could restore me to sanity, right? And then made a choice to hand my life and will over to that God. And uh, what's fascinating is, is how vital God is to this entire process. And now if you're a Christian, and I'm sharing this with you, and, and you're of the sort that actually believes God is interacting in our lives and desires to produce change, this may sound like, such a bonehead simple concept that why even mention it? It's like saying the sky is blue. Uh, It doesn't add value to the conversation. Of course God is important. Uh, It's easy to think that. It's easy to feel that. Except when I look at my actions. And, And I start to examine what do I really believe, especially for the addict. What do I really believe is going to be the source of change in my life. What have I, what have my actions shown me to believe is the source of authority and, and sufficiency and uh, one might say peace. It's not a bad description to say all addicts are seeking peace. And so what, has, what have my actions shown me to be uh, my viewpoint on who God is and his role in my life and what his characteristics are? So there's that aspect there. Which is, which is really looking at who have I thought God to be? Who is this God that I as a Christian serve? And when a man comes in 
And as an addict, I start giving up and looking at being serious about my recovery. It's easy when I get to step two and three, if I have a Christian background, of simply brushing them aside. I believe that God can restore me to sanity. Sure, that's easy enough. Heck, I say something similar to that in church all the time when I'm attending church in this this crazy COVID time. Uh, I say it in church all the time. I sing it in praise and worship songs. I've prayed it many different times. I believe it. That's easy. Piece of cake. I've done that my whole life. And then the second part is, okay, I make a choice to submit my life and will to God. I'm like, okay, well, well, that's easy. right? I can do that. I can do it to God. What the heck? That's a piece of cake as well. Check the box on that one. Step two and three. Done. But it's not actually that simple, is it? Not if I actually take the time and I ponder why. Why is God in this process at all? I mean, why does God even matter in this context? Because from an addict's point of view, I have done everything in my power to gain control and, and it, I'm going to bring that with me to this program. And the program most of the time becomes just another avenue for control. This is really normal. And so I, I, I'm, as I go in, I'm not seeking a means to submit to something greater than myself. I'm seeking a means to gain control. It doesn't matter what I'm saying. That's been my reality my entire life. That's what I'm seeking. I may not even recognize that that's just how I think of things. And so as I engage in that, I may parrot the ideology of, well, you know, I'm submitting to God and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But my actions show me what my real beliefs are. And my real beliefs often are that, that God is not only, he's either unimportant or he's uninvolved or he's uninterested. Uh, at some level, it's up to me. Whatever flavor of that is, it's up to me. And I had a man phrase it to me this way. He said, is recovery, specifically the foundations ministry, is this ministry successful? Am I changing? Because in this his case, he had finally started achieving sobriety. He had, I think at this point, about a year of sobriety. He'd never had that long, except for one other time where he was, he was white knuckling it. And even then, it wasn't, it wasn't actually sobriety. So never mind, he's never had it that long. And so he's in this position, and he makes this statement to me. And he's, he's, he's thinking in terms of, okay... Because uh, he shared this with me. He's thinking in terms of, is it really that God is doing something in our lives here? Or is it just that we have a bunch of disciplines that work? Does that make sense? Think about it for a moment. Does recovery work? Does it work because God is at work in lives? Or does it work because the principles are good? If you removed God entirely from the equation, would it still work? Right? Would it actually be successful? Would people find sobriety? Would they find the strength they're looking for? And if that's the case, then why is God in it at all? It's kind of like, am I, am I taking something that could totally be separated from God and be fully self-sufficient, and I'm adding God to it? Which which I believe we as Christians have been, have been guilty of doing in many different ways, especially with modern psychology, taking something that is totally separate and trying to fit God into it rather than recognizing the opposite, that God is the definition and seeing how these things fit into that reality. But that's beside the point. 
Is it really that standalone? Is it that apart? What role does God really play in this recovery journey? Because let's be fair, there are secular or atheistic men and women who've achieved long-term sobriety. If God's the only pathway to sobriety, how did they do it? So I, I guess I have options here, right? I could say they're lying. They aren't actually sober. Yeah, and that's an option, and it might be true, I suppose. Um, but it seems a little far-fetched to my ear. I, I don't think that's reasonable to make that assumption. Uh, but it's possible. Second one is that, well, they aren't lying, but they aren't actually sober, quote-unquote. They're dry drunks. And uh, by dry drunk, I mean they've, they've stopped acting out, but they haven't dealt with any of their core issues. That's actually more likely, I suppose. It's, it's easier to say that. Right? But again, not necessarily true. And so, so it, it brings out an interesting conundrum, and one I've wrestled with quite a bit as I've talked with different people to try and understand exactly what it is that God is doing in these type of environments. And, you know, if I look at the environment from the perspective that the end goal is sobriety, if that's it, if the end goal is the removal of a behavior, that's it, then I struggle to find a strong argument that says God must be involved. Now, I could argue that God is helpful, that it's a lot easier if you submit to God. I could do that from a Christian perspective. I understand God exists and he's working in our lives and he desires to work within us. I could argue that. But I struggle to argue that he is essential to that process. Unless I go to the extremes that God's essential for everything. I mean, I can't breathe unless God wills that I breathe. So, so in that sense, yes, yes, God must be involved. But, but that's not really a meaningful argument in this context. Is God actually essential to the recovery process? And what, what does that essentiality mean in terms of my growth? And that's the core question I ask. That's the core question I'm looking at here. Because I believe God is essential to the recovery process. He is, he is absolutely essential. Which has brought out some very fascinating realities for me. First off, the reality that recovery is about more than sobriety. And I've talked about this before. It's about more than sobriety. And if we think about it for a moment, that's not a profound insight. It's not. Any wife will tell you that, that the acting out behaviors, though terrible, are not the only issue. You know, the lying is an issue. The anger is an issue. The immaturity is an issue. All these other things are issues. The acting out may be the most painful and prevalent activity occurring, but... Sometimes it's, it's so rarely seen or it's rare enough to be seen, whether it's occurring regularly or not, that, that the primary concerns are the other activities like uh, the violent anger or the threatening to commit suicide or the constant immaturity and lack of stability and, and all these other things that come out for these men and women. And so it's not hard to say that sobriety is not the sum total, but it's important to recognize if it's not the sum total, what is the sum total? What is the direction we are going towards? Because you see, the second I remove God from the equation, if God is not important to the process, why change? It goes back to that, that, that 
teaching I was given at a young age that masturbation is okay as long as it's done healthily. It's okay as long as it's done healthily. Uh, that's kind of silly if you think about it. It's like lying is okay, you know? Well, then again, I can think of scenarios where lying is appropriate. For example, trying to deceive my wife about some gift or present I'm giving to her. But, on the other hand, we can all think of clear scenarios where lying is absolutely inappropriate. And I shouldn't engage in it at all. But I wouldn't look at any of these situations and try to pretend that, that what I'm doing is, is somehow appropriate with acting out. But there's no way to consider my sexual acting out as an appropriate behavior. It's so clearly vile, it's so clearly ugly, it's so clearly all these other things that it must stop. But if I, I engage in this thought that God is not essential to the process, I'm giving myself over to my personal discernment. My discernment is what I'm giving myself over. I'm saying now, uh, so, so all definitions get tossed aside because there is no absolute. Because an absolute is to acknowledge that there is an absolute giver. It's to acknowledge that there's God, which makes him essential to the process because he's the giver of all that, which, by the way, is an argument for sure. If there is no absolute, then I have no foundation from which to say that this is truly wrong. All I have is my feeling is that it's wrong. So it could just be that my feelings are wrong. Like I said, maybe I'm just doing it wrong. Maybe the problem is, is that I don't recognize that my sexuality is a healthy pursuit that is part of my realization of who I am as a person, and therefore I should give myself over to it in a more full manner. Yes, not causing harm to anyone, of course, because that's morally wrong or societally harmful at the minimum. But I should pursue that. And what's fascinating is how many addicts have tried that to some degree or another, have gone down the road of trying to convince themselves, myself included, that their behaviors are just, they're, they're just perceiving them the wrong way. That, that, I, that it's not actually wrong, I try to convince myself. Uh, but it's, but it's just, it's having these consequences, and I just need to deal with the consequences. The behavior is okay, the consequences are not, so how do I get rid of the consequences? Well, I'll look at different porn, or I'll look at it, I'll get my sexual hits in different ways. I will not see prostitutes, but I will try to engage in some other activity, whatever the case may be. To try and find some way to remove the consequences of my out-of-control behaviors. Once again, all this stems from removing that, that absolute. Because without that absolute, how do I even define pornography as wrong? The best I can do is take my immediate feelings and the immediate results of the consequences of those actions and go, well, I want to remove this. How do I remove this? The best I've got is that I prefer not to have this outcome. That is the best foundation I have. Another interesting reality of removing God, is that as an addict, I've done something kind of interesting. At least I find it very interesting. I have gone to the greater, I've gone to greater depths than most have gone in order to find satisfaction. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is I have been willing to sacrifice things that I hold sacred in order to have my satisfaction. When a man truly examines his behavior, it becomes obvious if he's married, he's sacrificed the intimacy and closeness of his marriage. If he has kids, he's sacrificed his moral integrity and ability to lead. 
If he has a job, he sacrificed his ability to be focused and grow diligently at that position. Um, you know, in all these different arenas that I hold dear, I hold dear, I find that I am empty in. I find that I'm falling short in because I've given myself to this degree. I mean, careers have been ruined by our choices in our sexual addiction, whether it be my, by pure immaturity or directly linked to my acting out behaviors. And so all those consequences, all those things pushed aside in order to pursue this ultimate satisfaction. That's a bit like I am, I am seeking something with such intensity, such intensity, and the only thing I, and I'm finding, trying to find anything that will satisfy that intensity. And then as I seek recovery, am I really looking for a lesser satisfaction? Is that really sufficient to this madness? It's a bit like I am accustomed to finding the greatest sense of pleasure I can possibly, in my mind, achieve. And now I'm simply acquiescing that I can't have great pleasure anymore because the consequences are too great, so I'm going to settle for lesser pleasure. I'm going to settle for my wife. I'm going to settle for, for boring life. That's, a, that's an interesting conclusion that comes out of this way of thinking, that if there is no God, there is no greater outcome. As the pastor said many years ago, that uh, what God desires for us is going to continuously grow in its, its amazing complexity. We are going to grow into a greater and greater and greater level of joy and fulfillment and peace the more we grow close to him. And I can give, I can give two examples, one that was given by this pastor. There was an advertisement for alcohol, and it showed a bunch of men sitting out on a boat having a grand old time. Uh, young men, fit, uh, healthy, uh, laughing, joking, going about fishing, and then they, they open up a, a cooler and they pull out a beer and they... They pop it open, sit back and drink it, and one man looks at the other and says, man, it doesn't get any better than this. The pastor's response was, you're right, it only gets worse. And I I liked that. I liked that spin on the concept. It's the idea that with the devil, he he gives us the best up front, if you will. He says, look at all this pleasure I can offer you, and then it's all downhill from there. I can't tell you the number of addicts I've encountered who are looking for that first high trying to find some way to get that old satisfaction back. Uh, but with God, it continually gets better. And it's a paradigm shift to recognize that God is essential because he gives me something to strive for. He becomes the objective. Because in my addiction, I don't even recognize that that's part that's lacking. I really, really believe that I need more control, I need less consequences, and I still think maybe there's a way to get that pleasure, I just need to find it. And maybe it's not porn, maybe it's not sex with prostitutes, maybe it's not affairs, maybe it's not any number of those other things. But it's, I still need to find a way to find it. That's what I'm hunting for. A way to get this satisfaction. And I need to transition 
to recognize that no longer is it about seeking that, rather seeking something real and solid and stable and external to me that is willing to interact with me and give that to me. When I remove God from the picture, my only objectives become something mediocre in comparison to my addiction and and a, a bland hope that this mediocrity will somehow still satisfy the madness inside of me. Because addicts, I believe, hit on something core, that, that we were made for more than what this world in and of itself can offer us. From a Christian standpoint, we fully acknowledge that. We were made to be in relationship with God. The infinite, the unlimited, the omniscient, the all-powerful God. In fact, to the extent that God demands we interact with him at a relational level, just think about why he asks us to pray. Why tell us pray, even though I already know what you're going to say? Because it's a relational interaction. Why does he say, if you don't pray, I won't give it to you? Even though he knows what our heart's desires are before we speak them. Because he demands that we interact with him on a relational level. He doesn't give us an option to interact with him in a different way, as much as I may want to. He demands it be relational. We are made for that. We are made for that kind of connection. And as a sex addict, that is a reality I must learn to embrace because it's the only thing that will fill that void that was previously there. You see, without God, I have nothing to fill that void with. Absolutely nothing. Nothing whatsoever. And that's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how what at first may appear that the only interest of God in this process is that I might achieve sobriety becomes a reality that that instead of just me achieving some end goal, it becomes a journey of a lifetime in pursuit of him because he becomes the goal. And I continue to pursue him because he satisfies me in a full and complete way that my addiction promised, but never delivered. And what God promises and delivers, and not only delivers, but delivers in greater quantity and fullness than any time past. It's just like it says in Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. I have so much, it's beyond what I can contain. That is God at work within our lives. Remove him from it. And my best pursuit is to find something less. And as an addict, I don't find that satisfying in the least. In the least. To me, that sounds like a settling attitude. And it's one of the reasons I never was sober. I could do it for a little while. But in the end, when things really got tough, I needed something more stable, more solid to pursue. And it just wasn't there because I was not interested in submitting before God. So I encourage you, remember that God isn't just an add-on to this process in recovery. He is the center of it. Men who just start, they don't know that. I didn't when I first started. I had a lot of Christian cliches. I didn't understand it. And that's okay. God is patient. God is kind. He he works with us where we're at. But we should always recognize, those of us that work with addicts, that that's the end goal. And if you're working in yourself, remember that the end goal is 
that ultimately I start to pursue Christ. Which sounds cliche, and that's a, that's a real bummer that it's so cliche. When something has been said so often, and in so many weak-mannered ways, that it has lost its emphasis and meaning and reality. It goes in my ear, and immediately it goes into this process of thinking that, that disregards it, not because it's unimportant, simply because I've heard it so often. But that doesn't change that it's true. It just doesn't. Truth is truth, even if it's something I've heard before. The distinction is, is applied truth has great power. Truth that's just in one ear, into the knowledge base, and then no application is useless. Right? James warns against this man. He warns that a man who sees the truth and walks away, doesn't follow through it, doesn't do it, it's like a man who looks in a mirror and when he turns away completely forgets, forgets what he saw. It's a man who's not paying attention to anything. He is, he is completely disconnected from actually caring about what reality is. How useless. How useless. We addicts, we need to be pursuing something grander because we were made to pursue something grander. God is, is not just the pathway to sobriety, the removal of a specific set of behaviors, which God does work in men's lives to transform and change their hearts and attitudes, but he is the satisfaction of the deepest desire of the heart that drove us to seek out this madness that we thought could satisfy. And to me, that is fundamentally essential to healthy recovery. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. It's been fun to talk about this topic. Uh, as always, if you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me at our website, foundationstexas.com. I would love to hear from you. If you're in the area, uh, consider attending one of our groups. We'd love to have you. And uh, I hope you have a great day, and I will talk with you later.